This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Over the past, I don't know, I've been here almost nine years. Over the past nine or ten years, we've packaged this stuff and presented this stuff in probably 50 different ways, um, using different terminology, different packaging, different branding, different ways to make this happen, but I am so excited about this one because I feel like the way that it's packaged and put together uh, in this season is, is, has really good like depth of content, but then at the same time, I feel like the simplicity of delivery is incredible. I feel like it's, it's super easy for you to digest, and then you can apply it, and then it can become contagious. It's easy to share with others, and so we've used different things in the past. You know, we've done... Um, um, you know, everybody welcome, everyone needed, everyone changed. We did the, the redefine, re- remake, relay. I can't even say it right. It's been our thing for a while. So I'm excited for this one. It's going to be incredible. So we're going to spend the next couple of weeks sort of breaking it down. And so our goal in this series, our goal in this series is to sort of educate you guys on how we do what we do and why we do what we do, but also to edify you, to inspire you, to challenge you. And the end goal in all of this is that you would get more involved, that you would join the team, that it wouldn't be this thing that you're sitting back watching us do, but it's become something that we all do together. And so it's, it's, that's ultimately the goal. So basically what we're doing is we're covering the first session of CC 101 moving forward over the next four weeks kind of spread out and more in depth, okay? So those of you who have taken CC 101, you know, you saw like the the one step closer diagram, right, with the circles and the arrows and the super confusing things. This is essentially like that, but a little more simple and easier for you to digest and to apply to your lives. And so our entire vision is grounded in this passage found in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 18. And in this passage, let me just kind of break down what Ephesians is in the first place. Ephesians is this letter written by this first century church planter named Paul. There was this dude named Paul who, like, when Jesus came and he started making disciples and doing all this stuff, Paul was a Jew, and Paul was, like, a, a really high-up Jew, like a leader in the Jewish community and in the church and all of that, and it infuriated him that Jesus showed up, and so he was like, nah, man, this is anti-what we teach, this is what we believe, whatever, so he went around persecuting Christians, destroying them, all this stuff. Same dude that saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? You may have heard that story in kids' church. He was blinded, blinded by the light, right? That guy, and then, see, it sounds better when I sing it, doesn't it? This is why we have Lauren to sing and not me. I'm backstage like singing, going hard, but there's a wall in between me and you, so that's intentional. Um, and so he, you know, then he, he converts, becomes a Christian, and then becomes this like church planner. Goes around and starts all these churches, and as he starts them, he gets them all set up, and then he goes to start another one. He writes letters back to them saying, hey, this is how you grow in your faith. Hey, this is how you grow as a church. Hey, this is what you need to work on. Hey, I hear you guys are having issues with this, that, and the other. Let me help you. This is what you need to do. And so he became this like big-time church leader in the first century. And so the passage in which this is found that we're pulling our vision from is in a passage of prayer that he has for the church in Ephesus. And this is unique and kind of cool because there's not a lot of recorded like prayers in Scripture. Scripture talks about praying a lot, but there's not a lot of like actual, this is my prayer for you, and then you write down the prayer, right? We see it with Moses a little bit, and we see it here and there, but not a lot. And so this is part of a prayer that Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, okay? Just to give you a little context as we jump into this. And so in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, it says this. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so, Matt, if you want to leave that up there for a minute so they can continue to see it as I kind of talk through this a little bit, but let's pray, and then we'll unpack it for a minute, okay? So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for your word. I pray this morning that you would make these scriptures come alive to us. I pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate these passages to us. I pray that you would soften our hearts and open our minds. I pray that you'd make us receptive to what you have for us today as individuals and as a faith community. God, I pray that you would do work this morning. We believe that you're here. We believe that you're with us. We believe that your Holy Spirit is instructing us and moving us closer to you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right, so it starts off. Starts off, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's a lot of words to basically say, guys, I really hope you wrap your head around this. I really hope you understand this. Giving you the spirit of wisdom and revelation is like, make sure you get this. this you need like a supernatural dose of understanding for what I'm about to say, because this is so important for you as the church. These are, this is so important for you to wrap your head around, wrap your heart around, and apply to your lives, and apply to your faith community, and your situation, and everything. So he says, I really, really hope you understand this, you put this into practice, you live this, and then he gives us a list of four things, right? He gives us a list of four things. He says, I want you, he says, I want you to, uh, spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. In the knowledge of him is the first thing he says. He says, I want you guys to know God. That is so important. You need a supernatural dose of wisdom and revelation. You need to really wrap your heads around this concept and idea that you need to know God. That is so foundational for who you are and what you're trying to do and who you're trying to be. And then he goes, and I'm praying for you to have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Because once you get to know God, it shifts the way that your heart feels about this world. We have our physical eyes, but we have our heart eyes. This is like our perspective, our worldview, our understanding of the way things work and what's happening and what God's trying to do. And it says we need to know God, and we need to have our heart eyes enlightened. We need to find the freedom there is in knowing God. And how that shifts our perspective, shifts our understanding, shifts our entire lifestyle. And he says, and I'm praying for the hope to which he has called you to. We're putting this in, this in this casing of discovering purpose. That once you encounter God and you know God, you have your heart eyes opened to the things of God and you find the freedom that is in a relationship with Jesus that you can then begin to discover why you're here. Why has he called you? What has he called you to do? Who has he called you to be? And then the fourth thing is to make a difference. The riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints, the benefits of knowing your purpose, the benefits of understanding why God has put you here and what he has called you to do. Now you begin to make a difference to those around you. And so this is sort of like a faith journey for people that we're hoping to take people on as a church. This is sort of the vision of who we're aiming to be, where we're aiming to go, and what we're aiming to accomplish in the hearts and lives of people. For them to know God, for them to find freedom, for them to discover purpose, and for them to make a difference. As a church, we want to know God. As a church, we want to find freedom. 
As a church, we want to discover our purpose. And as a church, we want to make a difference. And so these are the main ideas that we're going to be discussing over the next couple of weeks. These are the main ideas that we're going to be discussing for the next couple of weeks. So the first week, we're going to talk about know God and then find freedom and then discover purpose and then make a difference, right? That's kind of the flow of where we're going. And so today, we're going to spend some time on knowing God because I believe that that is the foundation. I believe that that is step one. I believe that that is like the centerpiece for this whole thing, that everything else is built upon is this first step of knowing God. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of him. See, this is an interesting, this is an interesting passage, and when you just read it like this, you would look at it and go, in the knowledge of him, okay, that sounds very educational. That sounds very academic. Like, I need to learn more about God. I need to learn more things about the Bible. I need to learn more things about theology. I need to learn all these things. But, but here's the deal. When it's talking about knowing God, the Greek word that's used here, it's not talking about a head knowledge. See, a head knowledge is different than a heart knowledge. Okay? A head knowledge is this idea of, I know who that person is. Or yeah, I know that person. Yeah, I, I know them. Just like, yeah, I know who the president is, right? Yeah, I, I, I know that. I don't know that person. But like, I, I know who that person is, right? Or, or like Brad Pitt. Like, I get mistaken for him all the time. I know who... I know... <laughs> Stop laughing so hard. I know who that person is, right? Like, hey, do you know Brad Pitt? Yeah, I know Brad Pitt. I mean, I don't know Brad Pitt, but, like, I, I know Brad Pitt. I know who Brad Pitt is. A great example of this I was thinking about this week was, um, do you guys know who the comedian John Christ is? By a show of hands, you know who that is? He's like this, he's on the internet, he does, like, the church lady videos and does, he's like this Christian comedian who, like, toes the line and then oftentimes crosses the line, but then, like, retreats because his dad's a pastor, but then kind of toes the line again and whatever. He's, it's a thing. And so John Christ is a comedian, and he's pretty well known. And so my wife and Carmen, who is our children's pastor, my wife and Carmen are like really into John Christ. Like they think he is the greatest. I mean, they've gone to numerous shows of his like comedy club things here in Michigan. They've driven to Ohio to see him. They've seen him at conferences and all these things. And they get like a selfie with him and all this stuff. They post on social media. Oh, it's so fun hanging out with John. Acting like they know the guy, right? Like they truly believe that John Christ and them are like homies, like they are tight, and they are friends, and that if John saw them walking through the mall, he would know who they are. It's just not true. It's just, let me just say that from the stage, he doesn't know who they are. They think he does. They're not in here to defend themselves, so I can just say he doesn't know who they are, okay? But they think they know who he is. They've been in the same place as him. They've taken pictures with him. They know his jokes. They know his comedy routines. They hang out with him, but they don't know him. And he doesn't know them. That's a head knowledge, okay? And the thing is, oftentimes I feel like many of us approach God like that. See that little kidney punch I threw in there after the joking story? I think we approach God like that a lot of times. We think we know God. We hang out in the same places that God's hanging out. And we've visited and we've taken selfies with our Bible and coffee in the morning and saying sweet devotion time, hashtag so blessed. But... Do we really know God, like for, for real? Because there's a difference in a head knowledge and a heart knowledge. This heart knowledge is this idea, it's the Greek word that's used here to know God, is the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko means intimately. 
It means relationally. What's interesting about this word gnosko is that this, it's a word used to, to know. It's also commonly used in like marriage relationships. Like this intimacy that married people have where there's this union, there's this oneness of knowing. It's not like the sexuality side of things. It's like the intimate relational side of things. And so that's the weight of this word. And so when Paul writes the church in Ephesus, and he says, I'm praying that you would have this, this uh, wisdom and revelation, that you would have a deep understanding of the knowledge of God. What he's saying is, I really hope you wrap your head around that you would know God like a husband knows his wife. Like a significant other knows a significant other. Like there would be this connection that is so deep and you're so in tune with one another. That's the type of relationship that I desire for you to have with God, to know God. Because this same word is used in Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus is talking and he's, he's preaching and doing all this stuff, and he talks about people who say they know God, but they don't. And they act like they know God, but they don't. And they preach in God's name, and they don't know him. And at the end of it, you know, God's like, yo, I don't even know you. Like, what is this? And he talks about this false sense of knowing, and he uses the word gnosko, where it's like, you know, God says, I do not know you. I do not gnosko you. Just like John Chris would say to Carmen and Amber if he saw him in the mall and they walk up like, Johnny, what? He'd be like, uh, I don't know you, right? And so I think many of us have that sort of head knowledge without the heart knowledge. And so I think that th what this is talking about is that we need to know God on an intimate, personal, relational level. And so we do this as a church primarily through our Sunday mornings. That's primarily how we hope to mobilize this initiative for you to know God. I mean, we can't show up at your bedside every morning and say, hey, did you read your devotions? Hallelujah, glory to God. Did you spend your time in your prayer chamber with Jesus? Like, we can't do that for you, right? So our goal is to try to do that on Sunday mornings and try to encourage you and edify you and challenge you and inspire you to know God. But here's the deal. This is interesting as well because when we come to church, typically speaking, like we, collective we, oftentimes most people come to church for themselves, right? Most people come to church for themselves. Not a lot of people make the switch and think, okay, this is not about me today. We go to churches. I mean, it's, it's obvious in the way we pick churches. I'm glad you guys picked this church. Glad you guys are here. Love you guys. Glad we can hang out and, and all that. But we pick churches that we like, that minister to us. If it's got the kind of music we like, we'll go there. If the guy on stage kind of somewhat lines up with how we believe, we'll go there. If the guy is engaging enough, we'll go there, right? If the coffee is good enough, we'll go there. The donuts are cool, cool. If, you know, if there's people there that kind of look like me and in the same phase of life, uh, of life as me, cool, I'll go there. And we go there pretty self-focused, but here's the deal. Here's what I want to kind of let you guys know, that as the leadership of this church, we don't only see church for only the people that are here, okay? The people that are here, awesome, glad you're here, super glad you're here. We hope to encourage you and edify you and challenge you and all of this stuff. But we also do Sunday mornings and plan this stuff for the people that are not here yet. Because that's a huge part of the equation. A huge part of the equation. Because it's cool, we want you to know God. We want you to gnosko God, people that are here. But we also desperately want the people that are not here to gnosko God and to know God. It's vitally important because here's the deal. Here's what we need to realize. When we meet Jesus, when we get to know God, the closer we get, into, get to knowing God, we realize that our assignment changes. We realize that our understanding and perspective should shift. It's no longer about us all the time. 
our assignment changes to where now I'm on in tune with God, I'm in step with the Spirit and all this stuff, you'll notice that he will start to call you to reach out to others and point other people to Jesus. It's not just about me getting to Jesus, me winning my race, me getting deeper and deeper, and let me spend hours and hours in my prayer closet and interpretive dance worship and all this stuff. Listen, that's fine and dandy, whatever, but our assignment shifts when we get on in step with God, and, and, and he says, yo, listen, it's about reaching other people and pointing them too. Like, it's not just about you. It's about everyone around you. It's about the sphere of influence that I've given you for you to impact for my name. And so we approach church that way too. We approach our Sunday mornings where we're trying to encourage you to, to get to know God and all of this stuff. We do that on purpose. We're intentional about the things that we do. And so the Bible uses, Scripture uses, um, certain terminology that I'm usually not too keen on. And you've probably never heard me use this terminology because, I don't know, I, just, I feel a little weird about it, you know? I feel a little bit weird about using the, this phrasing and so I don't use it a lot. But the Bible uses it and I think it's very applicable for what I'm trying to communicate this morning within this context. I think it makes perfect sense. But the, the scriptures use a lot of times this idea of lost and found. Have you guys ever heard that before? Lost people and saved people, lost people and found people. Anyone heard that before? Okay, some of you. Um, I struggle with that a little bit because I feel like it creates this dichotomy of humanity and, and saying like the found people are better than the lost people and the saved people are better than the lost people and then it creates this like high horse hierarchy thing and whatever. So I don't use it a lot, but I do think it's applicable to what we're talking about this morning. It's this idea, for those of you who've never heard this or don't know, it's the idea that lost people are ones that have not encountered Jesus. They're people who have not met God. There are people who are not on the path to Gnosko God. They are lost, right? That, that's the idea. And then the found people are those who are on their faith journey, those who are chasing after Jesus, place Jesus at the center, and they're running towards it, and they're working towards his Gnosko, and they're growing in their faith, and growing their relationship with God, and all that. Those are the found people, okay? And so you have this sort of dichotomy. Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 15. He gives three stories, and in those three stories, he talks about three parables about lost things. He talks about the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, right? Maybe you guys have heard some of these stories before. And Jesus is talking through these things, and in all three, it shares the same theme. The same theme in all three stories is, I'll leave the found to find the lost. I will leave the found to find the lost. That's what Jesus is communicating in these parables and in these stories. And so if we think about it logically... When something's lost, you're not as concerned about the found stuff, right? I mean, just think about it practically in your life, right? I, I lost my car keys, but at least I still have my couch, you know? Like, my couch is there, and that's good, and I'm really glad that my couch is still sitting there. I lost my car keys, but that's okay, because I still got my couch, right? That, that, it makes no sense. I lost my wallet, but I'm really glad my dishes are still in the cabinets. You know, those didn't go anywhere, and those are safe where they need to be, and I can celebrate that win, that I have my dishes. I don't have my wallet, but I, but I have my dishes, you know? And I, it's, it's funny, and it's like, okay, Sam, that's, that's a little bit ridiculous, but I, I think the reality is that's kind of what we do with people. And that's kind of what we do in their relationship with God. We're like, oh yeah, there's lost people who don't know Jesus, but, but we got, you know, we moved to two services here at church, so... That's good, right? That's awesome. That's wonderful. So yeah, but but there's there's lost there's 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 people who who haven't met. You need to be concerned about about that, right? Uh, a great story to illustrate this um, 
is when I lost one of my kids. You know? <laughs> Don't call CPS. We found them, okay? <laughs> but I lost one of my kids. We were at, um, and I didn't even lose them in my house. Like, I've done that before. Anyone lost their own kid in their own house before? Yeah, I've gone up in the morning. This is how it can happen. I've gone up stairs to wake up all my kids, and one of my kids is not in their bed. Jackson, of course, my youngest. Not in his bed. And I'm like, oh, he must have come downstairs to sleep on the couch. I look, he's not on the couch. Oh, he must be in the bed with my wife, and I just didn't, he's not there. Amber, where is Jackson? <laughs> like, what is going on? We searched the whole house, scowled the whole house. At some point in the night, he decided it might be cool for him to sleep under his bed. So he, like, got out of his bed and went under his bed, which was, anyway, my kid got lost in his own house. I'm a great parent. Um, but we lost Jackson in a, in a much more dangerous place. We were at Eastwood Beach at Stony Creek. You guys ever been there? And especially on a weekend when it's popping and there's people everywhere and they got the paddle boats and the stand, you know, surfer board things going and the concession stands going. They got the big water slide and people playing volleyball and there's canopies everywhere. And so we were rounding up, getting to the end of our day, getting ready to leave. And so I took a couple of my older kids. I have four kids. The, the youngest one is Jackson. And so I took a couple of the older kids up to the, you know, the spigot where you wash off your feet to get the sand off before you get in the car, you know what I'm talking about? So I got them up there, Amber's down at the beach, she's packing up her stuff, and at some point, we connect with one another and realize that I don't have Jackson, and that she doesn't have Jackson, and that neither one of us have Jackson or know where he is, right? And so it was interesting. We were there with, like, Rich and Carmen, I think, uh, Bianca and Jonathan were there. Were you guys there with us that day? Quinn and Kayla was there. Uh, we had just some families there to get our kids out of the house, right? Uh, collectively, we had, like, 342 kids with us. So um, at some point, we realized Jackson is not with us. And when that happened, guys, here's what didn't happen. I didn't say, oh, well, you know, at least I have Jude, Titus, and Monroe here. You know, that's cool. I, I've done a really good job at keeping these three, you know, that's... It's pretty awesome, right? I mean, percentage speaking, I'm getting like a solid 75%. That's passing. That's a passing grade. I'm, I'm good with that. In college, I was good with that. You know, parenting, same deal. That's not what happened, okay? When we realized that Jackson was not with us and that he was lost, the found stuff, cool. I'm not going to like throw them in the garbage and be like, you, you got to go and go find I mean, let, there's care. Let's make sure that they're okay too. But I'm talking, we scattered like a bomb. It's like, poof, every direction. Where's Jackson? There was some urgency there. There was some freak out there. We had people running the shore of the beach. We had people running the sand of the beach. We had people running the sidewalk behind the beach. We were checking the volleyball courts. We were checking the water slide, checking the playground, checking the concession stand, checking everywhere, talking to everyone. Where is Jackson? Priority number one, find Jackson. Jackson is lost. He has to be found. We have to go get him. He has to be located. There is urgency. This is the number one most important thing in this moment. Find Jackson right? And ultimately, it was at the time of his life where he was just about to exit diapers, and uh, so anytime that he had to take a deuce, he would go hide to take that deuce, and so I guess he went behind some sort of bush uh, to take a deuce, because I guess he was humiliated for crapping his own pants. Rightfully so, he's coming into childhood, he gets it. Um, so ultimately, this is a win, because he was, you know, after that, he's done with diapers, but he's hiding behind the bushes, and so he comes back, and we've packed up our stuff, and so he can't find us, and so he just starts walking around looking for us. And evidently some dad found him and scooped him up. And then I think uh, Coach Jonathan was the one that was like, hey, that's the kid we're looking for. And the guy was like, oh, here, take him, which is a whole other issue in and of itself. These two guys who don't know each other passing a child they don't know along to each other. And 
It's a whole other ball. Again, please don't call CPS. It all worked out. My kids are well. They're all here in kids' church right now. But honestly, during this time, during this freak-out panic mode of everyone running around looking for Jackson and trying to figure this thing out, I can remember thinking, like, the people, people would see us freaking out and then, like, jump right in and start looking and be like, oh, 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 there's a kid missing. Cool. How can I help? How can I jump in? How can I be involved? How can this work? Let's, let's, okay, yeah, let's go. What's he look like? Brown hair? A kid? Cool. I'll go look. And, like, you know, people with urgency jumped in. Let's fix this thing. Those kind of people were like, yes, thank you. I'm so appreciative. You get it. I appreciate that. That's incredible. Awesome. As Jackson's dad. I was like, yes, thank you. Perfect. That's, yes. But then the other people who were just kind of like watching us without a sense of urgency were like, oh, look, that crazy lady crying just ran by again. Wonder what's going on. Man, I'm sure they'll find something. No. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, that like pisses you off. You're like, what? Like, yo, my kid is, get, get up. Help me find this kid. Like, let's do it. What don't you understand? Jackson is missing. Let's do this, right? And, and it makes sense in the context of this story, but then when we think about it in the context of God and humanity and people and this idea of lost and found, how many of us are jumping in the game with urgency going, yeah, you're right, let's find Jackson, let's do this thing, let's make it better, or are we sitting back going, yeah, but what if the conversation's awkward? What if I invite them and they don't want to, what if they don't want to come, that would be so How many of us are sitting back watching this thing go down, being like, oh, yeah, that's, that's not for me, man. I'm not going to tell people about Jesus. That's, that's weird. That's embarrassing. I, uh, so, many ex, there's so many variables, you know, that I can't control. That would be so weird because, honestly, I feel like that might be how God feels about his children. And when Jesus is talking about it in Luke 15, and he's talking about all this lost stuff, and he leaves the found to go find the lost, I think he's saying, yo, you guys, this is important, you know? And there needs to be some urgency. There needs to be an understanding that your assignment has shifted now that you know me. You need to help other people know me too. It's not just about you knowing me. It's about everyone in your sphere of influence getting to know me. I can't reach into your sphere of influence and say, hey, you know what? Yo, Don, you're friends with Don? You should come to church with Don. You'd really like, I can't do that. Only Don can do that. I can't do that for Rachel or for Matt or for Nick or Crystal or any of you guys. You have your sphere of influence that you are called to. I, not me. I can't do it for you, right? This is a sense of urgency that you have to get and say, man, I know that God has made an impact on my life, and I want God to make an impact on their life too, right? Like this thing is shaping me and changing me and guiding me and changing the way that I view finances, changing the way I view uh, helping people, changing the way I view generosity, changing the way I view parenting, changing the way I view myself, changing the way I view relationships, changing the way everything, the way that I operate. Other people need that too. And so I'm going to share with them the impact it's making on me, and it should be contagious. It should be that kind of thing. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting how many people just kind of keep it to themselves. How many people see them ur- other people urgently looking for Jackson and they just kind of watch and go, oh, yeah, somebody else will invite him. Somebody else will tell him about Jesus. Somebody else will step, it, step up in the game. And so that, listen, we do church a specific way on purpose. We do church a specific way on purpose so that you have the opportunity to invite people here and they don't feel awkward and they don't feel ostracized, and they don't feel like, 
what the heck is this guy talking about? You know, most of you guys probably know who Paul is, but I spent like five or six minutes at the beginning of this thing explaining who Paul is. You know why I did that? And the chances that you don't know who Paul is, because we're not just here to reach the people that are already here. We're here to reach the people that are not here yet. And if it's your first time and you didn't know who Paul is, now you do. And next time I talk about him, I'm going to do the exact same thing. So you're going to hear that spiel 50,000 times. Because we're not preaching to the people in the room. We're not only hoping to reach the people in the room. We're trying to reach your sphere of influence so that you can invite them and they feel comfortable and confident coming in here. Insider tip, we tell the jokes that we tell on purpose. We say the things that we say on purpose. We play the songs that we play on purpose. We dress the way that we dress on purpose. Because our number one goal is not to entertain and pamper the found. The found. That's not our number one goal. That's important. That's great. We need community. We need to do life together. I get that. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but we are looking to point lost people to Jesus as well. And so that's why we do church the way we do church. That's why we use Sunday mornings to encourage people to know God. Everyone to know God. Everyone, all of us. And so we aim to do this on Sunday mornings in four ways. My thing is like tripping out on me here. The, the, the saga continues. Look at this. Is it like dancing for you guys too? Okay, that's the middle. Now swipe for a new slide. Not happening. Come on, baby. Hold on, bear with me for just a second. Boom. Hey. Boom. We hit play. Me and technology were like bitter enemies. Now I don't know how to get it back to the play mode. What am I doing? This is bad. Shut up, James. <laughs> you make it sound so easy. More? No, not more. Whatever. You guys can see that, right? No? Dang it. Where's the play button? It should be on here. Double tab one of the slides. That's what I'm doing. Look what it did. All right, forget about it. Oh. <sighs> That should be a lot bigger. If you can't read it, bust out your phone and do the Zoom tool. You'll be able to see it. All right? Life hack for you. We aim to do church. God, this is so annoying. Something every single time. Hold on. Nope. I see no play button anywhere. Does anyone know how this thing works? No? Anyone? Quinn, come on, dude. You're good at this stuff. Just find out how to make that, like, play mode. I don't. It's like an iPad 1.0 from 1984. Um... Now I'm thrown. What was I saying? Yes. So the reason we do church, we do it on purpose. We do this for a reason. We do everything for a reason. And so we aim to accomplish this, for you to get to know God in four ways. We try to do four things. Uh, see? See? Quinn, do you want me to pull up a chair and you can just be my tech guy right next to me here? You're like, uh, Quinn, can you uh, hit the next slide? Um, perfect. So we try to do these four things on a Sunday morning. We try to accomplish this stuff to make this more palatable and to make it more relevant and prevalent in your life and your friends' lives, right? The first thing is we aim to make Sunday morning a celebration. Church should be fun. Church should be exciting. Church should be something that you're looking forward to. Church should be something that you enjoy, not something that you have to endure, okay? How many of you grew up in a church you had to endure? Be honest, be honest. Okay, those are the ones that have an extra crown in their jewel in heaven, okay? 
And most of you don't get that joke because you didn't have to endure church. The ones who raise their hand, they get that, okay? They get it. But church should be something you enjoy. That's why we tell jokes. That's why we have fun. That's why we think of stories that are comical, that appeal to you, that make sense to you. Church should be something that you enjoy. It should be a celebration of your faith, not a condemnation of how you suck and you're not doing it right, right? That's not the goal. The goal is a celebration to say, hey, God is awesome and he can make your life better. Let's do this together. Let's move forward together, right? Church should be a celebration. We're very intentional about that. We try to craft our whole Sunday morning to be a celebration. The second thing is inspiration. Super important, okay? Bells and whistles are cool, but if you notice, we don't have giant LED screens, and we don't have lights and hazers and fog and smoke and whatever, and we don't do somersaults down the aisles and, whoa, the pastor's here, right? Like, the bells and whistles are all secondary. Here's the deal. You need to know that God is here. And you need to know that God doesn't just live inside of this room, but that God goes with you when you leave this room. And so it's very important for you to realize that this is like real stuff. This is like God stuff. This is spiritual stuff. And that God is here. And so we aim to inspire you on Sunday mornings with that. To inspire you to keep in step with the Spirit. Inspire you to seek God. Inspire you to get to gnosko, know God. That's the idea. The third thing we try to accomplish is preparation. Because so often, and many of you guys who raised your hand who had to endure church, you felt like you had to go to church to meet Jesus. You had to go to church to get your refill of the Holy Ghost so it could get you through the next week. Hallelujah, glory to God. No. Because what does that do for you Monday through Saturday? Nothing. The hooting and hollering and the praying, that does nothing for you Saturday, Monday through Saturday. And so we aim to be a church that is preparing you for life. That's why our stuff is so applicable. That's why our stuff is so practical. That's why our stuff, we try to take the Bible and we say, how can we make this Bible make sense to you on Monday when you're at work? Make sense to you on Tuesday when you're at the grocery store, Wednesday when you're at the bank, when you're doing real life, how can God be prevalent and relevant to you? How can you enact, enable the scriptures, activate the scriptures in your daily life? And so we're very intentional to be a celebration, to be an inspiration, and for preparation for you to apply this stuff to your life. And then the fourth thing is salvation, getting to know God. Whether you're at the beginning of your journey and it's an introduction, or you've been at this thing for a long time and you're moving toward this gnosko relationship, our goal is for you to know God. Every Sunday morning, these are the elements. Every Sunday morning when we come together, this is the biggest net we cast, these are the elements. This is what we're aiming to accomplish. This is what we're aiming to do. This is step one in our vision. It's foundational and formational. It's, 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 it's everything. Everything we talk about for the next three weeks is built upon this. It's for us to know God. It's the most important thing. Know God. Gnosko God. That's why we do what we do, how we do it on Sundays. Okay? And now that you know that, hopefully you can get on board. Hopefully you can jump in. Hopefully you can know that you can invite somebody, and when they show up, we're not going to do like a theological study on the pre-tribulation of revelation. And then you're sitting there going oh my God, I cannot believe I finally invited them and they're talking about this. That's not going to happen, okay? That's not going to happen. We are not going to embarrass you when you invite your friends to come to church, okay? We're not going to ostracize you when you try to point them to Jesus, okay? We're going to team up with you. We're going to try to make it a celebration with inspiration and we're going to try to prepare them and ultimately lead to salvation. Does that make sense? And so know that, that we got your back. We're on your team. We're being very intentional about it. We're not going to sing songs that say, blood of the lamb, cover over me, all this stuff, where your friends show up and go, 
what? Is this a cult? I want no blood lamb, lamb blood all over. We're intentional about it. We got your back, okay? We're on your team. We want to aid you and help you and assist you and set you up for success and looking for Jackson at the beach. Okay? We want to partner with you in that. We want to help you do that. That's the goal on Sunday mornings. That's what we're trying to do. That's where we're trying to go. That's who we're trying to be. Does that make sense? And if you don't like it, there's 50 other churches you can go to in driving distance. Okay? But if you do like it, come on with it. Come on with it. Get involved. Step up. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Because I believe, honestly, God has made a massive impact on my life. Huge. And I believe that if you're here, God has probably made it somewhat of an impact on your life as well. And I think God wants to make an impact on the people in your sphere of influence as well, but you hold the key to that oftentimes. And so you got to step up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to share what God's doing to me with them. You don't have to come at them and be like, yo, you suck. You need Jesus. Like, don't take that approach. Not going to work. Not going to go over well. But you can go and say, man, I've been going to church. I know, you'd never think it, right? I've been going to church, me. And it's been awesome. It's been crazy. You should totally come. I think, I think it might be awesome for you too. It's that simple. You don't have to highlight all their sins and tell them how they're going to hell, okay? Ain't nobody want to hear that, okay? It's a very simple thing, but share it. Share it, and we'll do our job to celebrate, inspire, prepare, and point people to Jesus. Does that make sense? And so maybe you're in here this morning, and you're sort of in a place where you need to know God, you know? Maybe you're in a spot where you need to know God, that maybe someone did invite you, and maybe you are kind of new to this, and maybe this is kind of new information to you, and you're still wrapping your head around it, but maybe you're in a place where you need to, to know God in a real way. That You need to maybe start this relationship, start this journey, start this process. It's an easy conversation. It's simply saying, hey, you don't have to have all the right words and all the right jargon and all that. You can say, hey, what that weird guy said up there, I get it, I want in. It's that simple. It's a process and it's a journey that takes a lifetime that you still have to kind of work out and you learn and you keep in step with the spirit and you learn a little here, learn a little there, you mess up here, you mess up there, you get back in the game. It's a process, it's a give and take, it's a, you know, it's a thing. But to get started, the introduction is simple. Hey, God, let's do this, you know? I believe you sent your son, I'm into it. I accept the sacrifice, I'm into it. Yo, I want you to call the shots, not me, you know? I want to follow you. I'm going your way. I don't want you to come my way, right? It's a very simple conversation. Maybe some of you need to have that conversation this morning. Maybe you're in here this morning, and you need to move from a headspace to a heart space. Maybe you've been coming to church a long time. Maybe you've been doing the dance a long time. Maybe, you know, you know a lot about God. You know a lot about, and you've been in the same places, and you've even done some of the things that people think are the things, like Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, you know, You've done the things, you've walked the walk, you've talked the talk, you've done all the, but you don't really know God. You don't have this gnosko relationship with God, this intimacy, this, this, this understanding, this, this keeping in step with the Spirit. We use ludicrous all the time, but you know, when I move, you move, just like that, but it's, you hear that and you say that, you know about that, but you don't experience that, to where the Holy Spirit is informing your decisions and informing your actions and your reactions and your daily life and all of that stuff. Maybe you need to move from a headspace to a heart space this morning. Maybe you're in here this morning and you need to realize that it's not all about you, but you need to help others to know God as well. That God has placed you in a very specific 
sphere of influence that only you can do what you do, how you do it. Only you can reach the people that you can reach. Maybe God has specifically, intentionally placed you there and he's just waiting for you to step up. He's waiting for you to get in the game. He's waiting for you to realize that God's made an impact on you and you need to share that with the people around you because he wants to make that same impact on them. But he's waiting on you to step up and do it. Does that make sense? So maybe you're in here this morning and that sort of transition you need to make. You need to shift your assignment, shift your perspective, shift your understanding of how all that goes down and know that you've got the power to make a difference in their hearts and in their lives and the trajectory of their lives. You have the power to make a difference by just sharing what God's doing in you. It can radically impact, drastically change their life. That's huge. And so I want to give you guys an opportunity to do business with God this morning, whether it's an introduction to God or it's a shifting head to heart, or it's saying, man, some of you, you're sitting here in God's place and names and people in your life right now that he's saying, you need to reach out to this person, you need to reach out to that person, you need to invite this person, you need to invite that person. I love the post, the social media post this past week, of who are you inviting to church, tag them in this post. That was great. I tagged a bunch of dudes I play basketball with. I was like, yo, see y'all in church. Guess how many of them came? Zero, but I invited them. That's step one. None of them are here today, but when they show up, I'm not going to tell you because that'd be weird, but they'll be here. They'll show up, but it takes time. It's a process. And me just tagging them on Facebook, something simple, it planted a seed because two of them wrote me private messages. They're like, hey, man, I actually have been thinking about coming. Thanks for inviting me. I can't make it this weekend. Guys, that's, that's huge. That's massive. And sometimes it can be that simple. And so for some of you, names are popping into your head, friends are popping into your head, family members are popping into your head, whatever. Give you time this morning to do business with God. Maybe you need to bust out your phone and text them right now. Yo, sit in church. I want you to come with me next week. Hey, we should hang out this week. I want to talk to you about God. I mean, whatever. But I want to give you an opportunity to do business with God this morning. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.